Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah is brought to you by Fuedobots. If you're not familiar, Fuedobots is a hot sauce of the month club. They bring small batch and craft hot sauces that you've probably never heard of to your doorstep every 30 days, 60 days, or 90 days. It's your choice. If a monthly shipment is too spicy to handle out of the date, their website has a hot sauce shop where you can purchase as many bottles as you want. They've got sauces from the Deep South, Mexico, and even the Caribbean available to purchase right now with no commitment necessary. They even sell a spicy honey. Go to Fuedobots.com and use the code BROBIBLE10 for $10 off your first order. That's Fuedobots.com and use code BROBIBLE10 for $10 off your first order. I'm not beating up a girl. Only girl in the room is the one wearing pretty yellow belt. You call me a girl? Back in business and it feels so good. Welcome back to Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah, the Entourage podcast. My name is J.R. Hickey. I'm your host. I'm a comedian and writer based in San Francisco, California. We are breaking down every episode of Entourage week over week, usually on Monday mornings. Quick little programming update. We are going to be airing on Wednesday mornings for the next three episodes because there is a little show that airs Sunday nights on HBO. It has dragons. It has zombies. And we found that pushing the episode out a few days helps listeners dedicate a day or two to absorbing all of the post-Game of Thrones content. Podcasts, articles, memes, tweets, etc. We want to pick up the conversation about Entourage on Wednesday morning. So, there are two episodes of Game of Thrones left. We are going to do three more episodes on Wednesday mornings because the last week of the month is Memorial Day, and nobody's going to listen to this podcast on Memorial Day Monday, so we're going to do it uh, Wednesday then as well. And we'll see how it goes. If Wednesday seems to be working out for everybody as opposed to Monday, let me know. Send me a message, Instagram and Twitter, at JRWillDoIt. I had Jeff Eisenband on this week to talk about episode 6 of season 2, Chinatown. Jeff is a broadcaster for the NBA 2K League, which is the highest level of esports gaming. And this episode was perfect for Jeff because in this episode, Turtle takes part in an esports competition. Jerry Ferrara is actually friends with Jeff. They work together at NBA 2K, so it was great to get some of his inside stories about Jerry. As you can imagine, he seems as nice in person as he is on screen. Congratulations go out to Jerry and his wife, Bree. They just had a baby boy named Jacob. Check out his Instagram and Twitter to see a photo of him. Jeff and I are discussing his wife's pregnancy as it not having happened yet because we recorded this about a week ago. Bit of a longer episode this week, which was a nice departure from last week's episode, which was pretty short with White Sox Dave from Barstool Chicago. So I hope you enjoy the extra time. Jeff is a very passionate fan of both esports and Entourage, and it was a nice marriage of the two. Usual housekeeping stuff. Five-star reviews, super important. If you're loving the pod, leave us a five-star review. The Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah music playlist on Spotify is live at the link in our bio. I will actually be at Joshua Tree this weekend. Ironically enough, no, I am not going out there to do mushrooms like Vinny and the boys. I will just be down there for a long weekend. So enjoy the rest of your week and enjoy the conversation with Jeff about Chinatown.
Our guest this week is both a broadcaster and journalist for both the NBA and NBA 2K League, which is currently live in its second season on both Twitch and YouTube. His work has also appeared on Golf.com and DraftKings.com. He's coming to us all the way from the Big Apple late on a Monday night. Jeff Eisenband, welcome to the podcast. That's right. I, I didn't make the trip to, to the West Coast. I'm still on the East Coast. We're not that big yet. Hopefully soon we'll have us a, a big studio that we can fly guests out for. It's a niche podcast. That's the issue. Of course. Of course. <laughs> Jeff, thank you so much for um, coming on. Describe to me again, I think we interacted a couple weeks ago. You actually shared the Bro Bible article we wrote about our favorite entourage characters as NBA logos. Yep. And I think, are, are, are you friends with Jerry Ferrar? You have to work with him through the NBA 2K League. So I, I am at the point where Jerry is around the NBA 2K League so much that it's like when he shows up, one of the first things he does is he realizes he has to get interviewed with me for the NBA 2K League social media accounts. That's so awesome. it's, it's almost like, and, and he is, you know, as outstanding as fans of this podcast would hope that he is in person. Yep. So, you know, we've gotten to to know each other through that. And he's the type of, of celebrity who's not just going to say hi and move on. Like, we have some real conversations about stuff. So um, he brings his wife, uh, who's going to have a little Jerry Ferrara very soon. That's right. Um, you know, it's uh, he's a great dude. So, so through that, I mean, I remember when you guys started this podcast, I had my eye out right away because <laughs> it's one of those things that I, I bet everyone has had this idea, but you actually took the time to do it, which is awesome. And so when I saw, I know that everyone, it was kind of, I was at the NBA 2K League in the green room when that thread started and people were talking about it. Oh, so. that's good to hear. We're making waves in the NBA 2K room. And, I'm, and it's also great to hear that Jerry Ferrara is as nice in person as he appears to be in all aspects of public and private life. Uh, I, not to overstep, but I, Jerry and I exchanged quite a few messages uh, during that little uh, social media blow up. He's, he, may, he may be on this podcast sometime soon as a little teaser for everyone. But as Jeff mentioned, his wife is like nine and a half months pregnant. So we're, he's got <laughs> much more important things on his mind. But... It'll happen, folks. It'll happen sooner rather than later, we're hoping. Yeah, we're hoping he's called Sal. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Jeff, uh, would love to date your experience with Entourage. You know, how, how did you first come upon the show? What was it like watching it? Your age when you first discovered it? Anything, what was your, just your overall experience with the show like? So I actually remember, um, you know, it was one of those things. So I'm, I'm, I'll be 26 next month. I was born in 93. So I remember vividly being in in ninth grade and that was when the joshua tree episode came out <laughs> and i remember my friends talking about it at school and you know there are parts of the joshua tree episode that you know ninth graders probably shouldn't be watching yeah and specifically the part where they do mushrooms <laughs> <laughs> specifically the whole episode yeah. um and i remember like listening to some of my friends talk about it and feeling like, why am I not a part of this? I need to uh, basically know what's up. And I started, that was like season five or six, I think. I think that might have been season five. And I think in season six, I, I kind of just picked it up. And I watched season six with my little brother, who at this point I was probably in 10th grade and he was in seventh. And we watched it through, but there were a lot of backstories that we didn't know. Uh -huh. And then this was when there was 
no on demand, or at least we didn't know about HBO on demand. And, you know, it was every holiday we would have, or one of our birthdays, we'd get one of our parents to get us another season. So it was, all right, we watched the first season. We watched the second season. We had all the DVDs. So then by the time the seventh season came around, we watched the sixth, then we watched the first five, and then we watched the seventh and eighth. Interesting. That's a very interesting way to go about it, but you kind of watched it in real time. Yeah, I mean, and now I've watched everything through like three or four times. But, (laughs) you know, there was a time that I was watching in real time. And I remember actually the last season, which I guess was season eight, right? Or yep. am I crazy that there That's were eight correct. seasons? Season eight. Um, it actually ended my freshman year of college, the beginning of my freshman year. So I remember it was one of like the first sort of, um, actually I'm looking right now, it must've been over right before I went to college. Yep. It was over the summer of 2011 that it ended. I remember like, you know, it was kind of when I got to school, welcome week, freshman year at Northwestern, which is on trimester, so it started a little later <laughs> in September, kind of one of the opening points, talking points between guys was like, hey, what's your name? How are you? It's like, you see the finale of Entourage? I, I remember having conversations that that was a way to fit in right when I got to college. Wow, that is so cool. Hey, can you believe that Vinny's going to marry that girl after only meeting her <laughs> last week? <laughs> A crazier story to add to that, so that the then to bookend it, the movie came out spring of 2015, which was my the end of my senior year of college. Wow. And I remember going to the movie theater, which it, I didn't go to an, another movie theater again for about three years, and seeing the movie, and it was basically every fraternity was just there, yep. watching like the Saturday night, the second night, just watching that. Was that and, in know, Chicago? That was in Evanston, which I guess you're from Chicago. Yeah. So it was right. Um, it was in Evanston and it was kind of, uh, you know, three weeks left in college or something like yeah. that. But this was our pri- all our priority at this point. Jeff, I think you're the youngest guest we've had on so far, which is so refreshing because I'm 31. I mean, it was a, a beginning of college to adulthood show for me. So it's so interesting to hear about how it basically ended before you went to school and you kind of had this shared experience with all these guys, you know, eight seasons to look back on. And I'm sure they were watched, they were rewatched endlessly in your dorm at Northwestern. Yeah, though no, they were, I mean, my friends, we, we've been, this has been like a, what are we doing? Let's just pop an entourage for years. Exactly. Um, I remember even my senior year when the movie was coming out, I was like, well, I, I kind of got to refresh my memory and just watching those last two seasons by myself. It was like a refreshing feeling. Listen, I'm not going to lie. You watch some of the stuff and you're, especially in the first season, especially the first couple episodes. And you're like, wow, that, that does not stand the test of time. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and there's, there's definitely some aspects of that when you watch the show again. But I think that also is indicative of the era that it was in, which wasn't that long ago, but you know, the, the, series premiere being what almost 15 years ago now? 15 years this summer a legitimate time has passed you know it's interesting because i've gotten a lot of flack because of how this podcast started out and i've said this on a few different forums but i, I just it's worth saying again but i started this podcast as a way to look back on the show and talk about it as a time capsule of that in between time the not the 90s which are glorified endlessly and not the you know past five years but that weird they call it the aughts now that weird early 2000s to mid 2010s when the show premiered and how it's our most recent decade and the show kind of encapsulated that decade and a lot of it 
doesn't age well. However, I might have hit that a little too hard when I started this podcast. First four or five episodes of this podcast, we really leaned in on, hey, you can't say that. Hey, drama said this. Hey, Vince called this person this. Hey, Turtle said this. And after a while, I realized that, listen, I started this podcast because I love this show and I want this to be a weekly celebration of the show. And that's what it's going to be. So I'm sure most people who have listened week after week have noticed we don't really talk about that anymore because you're absolutely right. It's just indicative of the time and times change. Yeah, I mean, and it's worth noting, I think Kevin Connolly once said this about Jerry Farrar, that that he is the most the most opposite of his actual character as anyone can be. Yep. And he's like the most, I don't know how to put it, like nicest, laid back, very thoughtful person in real life, as opposed to Turtle, who just did whatever he was on his mind and, you know, was lazy and stuff like that. But that was Turtle. Yeah. I hope I hope people can appreciate what the show is trying to do, and that is just to revisit these moments that we miss and remember fondly, and kind of poke fun at certain things, and 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 talk about the things we liked and didn't like. So, on that note, are you ready to talk about season two, episode six, Chinatown? Yes, yes. I will tell you that I I watched it to refresh my memory yesterday, uh-huh. but then I of course had to watch the next two episodes. <laughs> so so if anything blends together, it's because. Uh, I I went ahead and kept watching. No problem. No problem. Okay, so Chinatown debuted on Sunday, July 10th, 2005. Later this week, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, the sixth and penultimate novel in the Harry Potter series, would be published. Within the first 24 hours of its release, it would sell 9 million copies worldwide, and it would go on to sell a record-breaking 10 million additional copies. Reviewers noted that the book took on a darker tone than its previous predecessors, and the film adaptation, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, was released on the 15th of July, 2009. Like, literally exactly four years later. This year, Voldemort has chosen Draco Malfoy for a mission. Pass through from their world into our own. These are mad times we live in, mad! And the darkest hour, beyond anything I imagined, is upon us all. And it was released by Warner Brothers. Maybe it was released by Dana Gordon and Alan Gray. Who knows? Uh, it's crazy because when you say that, and I'm not a Harry Potter fan, but I remember when that stuff, when, when I remember that there was the batch of five books mm-hmm. and then it was kind of like the six, the, anything after the first five where you weren't sure if they were going to be made. So Jeff, it's interesting. I chose you specifically for this episode because you work in the world of esports, and in this episode, uh, I'm, I'm aware some esports happen. So let's dive into the synopsis. Okay. So in this episode, To help pay the bills, Ari lands Vince a dig appearing in a lucrative foreign commercial. The benefits extend beyond the money, however, as Vince also manages to bed his beautiful stunt coordinator. Meanwhile, Turtle decides to make his own bank by entering an Xbox boxing tournament, but he gets ousted early on by a young gaming prodigy. Eric continues to stress out, since he's not able to get an advanced print of Queen's Boulevard for James Cameron. Luckily, the A-list director agrees to attend the Sundance screen of the film, offering hope that Vince may still end up with the Aquaman role. Jeff, right out of the date, what was your favorite moment from this episode? Well, I, uh, and I'm not saying this to be biased. I always like the the lasting part of this episode is the video game tournament aspect. Okay. Because, and I always tell people who ask me about esports, which is a whole other conversation that we won't get into here, is when were you? When did you get into esports? And it was right around this time 
uh, ESPN put on the mat, the, uh, uh, Madden Nation show, uh-huh. which were was guys going around playing Madden in the back of a bus um, around the country, and it was like I loved Madden and I was ex- I I wanted to see the best people in the world. So I loved the scene at the end when they actually when Turtle actually has the boxing the tournament the EA Sports boxing tournament uh, the fight night I guess tournament and he yeah. loses, but just that whole atmosphere because now. You know, that was 14 years ago. Now you can find video game tournaments like that everywhere. At the time, that was a, that was like a crazy idea. You know, I can't believe that they actually had that. And it was obviously, they weren't online tournaments as much. They had to be localized because of the, uh, because of the connection. But so that, that aspect of the episode itself, I think that's my favorite part. But I do, you know, there is something that will always last about the commercial at the end, which is after the screen goes black and they actually play the commercial. those things that i was thinking about as i watched it like that taping that commercial probably took about the same amount of time as the rest of the episode 100 i mean just when you think about the choreography and vince actually having to learn some of that stuff and when you think about the fact that up until this point all of vince chase's career that you'd seen was like a 10 second clip of him in queens boulevard in a looping station so now to see him at act is in quotes in a commercial for a full whatever it was 45 60 seconds was interesting it was shot in widescreen it was very cinematic I, I thought it was very cool it was cheesy but in a cool way it was supposed to be cheesy and you know even the translations and stuff you can't do that every episode but it was a nice touch to this episode and i'm glad you brought up the video game tournament i want to put a pin in that and revisit it in a little bit because i, I do want to talk a little bit further about just the entire electronic electronic arts integration into the show of Entourage. <laughs> but first, I'll, let me talk about some of my favorite moments. Simply when Ari drops the price of the commercial on the boys at Earth Cafe while they're eating. Right. That's not bad. I don't want to do a commercial. Vinny, it will never appear on U.S. soil, all right? It is one day's work. But he said he doesn't want to do a commercial. For That's half it. a million dollars. What was the director's name again? Cha-ching. I'm sorry, Chang Chong. Boom. I I laughed out loud at how perfect Jeremy Piven is in this moment. And how, you know, these guys have all these principles. They want to, you know, they want to do it for the art. They want to do it for Vince's career. But when you did half a million dollars waved in front of you, it's a pretty easy decision. So I watching that episode again yesterday and knowing what happens when Ari brings that up, first when he says it'll never air in American soil, my first thought was holy crap, this is pre-YouTube. Yep. You know, now you get Kobe commercials in every country that you can watch that Kobe was probably pitched in 2005. This will never be on American soil. Well, guess what? He didn't know YouTube was coming. So I was thinking about that with Vince, that he, you know, this would have gone viral. Oh, 100%. And it probably would have been good for him. But at the time, this this is something legitimate, that this stuff happened all the time. Yep. Um, you know, you can go back to Michael Jordan and there was, there were things taped internationally that 
you just assumed would never see the light of day in the U.S. When when you see any of them, when you see um, George Clooney do one of his commercials or, or Leo DiCaprio does like watch commercials in Asia. And it's like, yeah, these are massive paychecks for these guys. And they're just squirreling that away, like, and it not being public facing. So, which they got right, by the way, was a good job by uh, the writers getting something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other favorite moment for me was the commercial at the end. I love, I love the widescreen shot. And then I love that the translation of the energy drink at the very end is the energy drink. Good till your heart pops which is absurd. <laughs> that was great. Uh, drama making that cameo in the commercial. Oh, yeah. uh, they leave you on a cliffhanger because he says something like, I'm working yep. when they're in the trailer and you're like, what? <laughs> and you see him come out and it's just, I don't want to call this because there's a lot of things like we're talking about the uniqueness of this episode. So I don't want to call it a standard, almost basic episode. But when you think about it, it has every basic plot line of Entourage. Vince, it doesn't really like does something be kind of because he of his looks and he gets his way and he gets his way with a girl and he can do whatever he wants. Drama embarrasses himself. E and Ari are stressed and Turtle has like a crazy plan that doesn't work out. Exactly. That's good. That's a actually very good point. I didn't think of it that way. I thought this episode has some limitations, which we'll get to a little bit later on in today's episode. We talk every week about a bros being bros moment. And this bros being bros moment is kind of a loose definition of just that moment when you see the crew on screen acting like guys actually do. Were there any bros being bros moments that jumped out at you from the episode? Um, there's, uh, the part where turtles about, or when they show up at the, the video game tournament, they show up all together. And I know that Vince obviously brings a date, but there's this aspect as turtles going up that they're just bros being bros cheering in a crowd of like a lot of testosterone yeah. at a video game tournament. Yeah. From Queens, New York, height unknown, weight unknown. Fighting as Rocky Marciano, introducing Turtle! That comes to mind. There's the scene, it's not all four of them, but when Turtle and E drop out of going to the, the training, the drama puts his arm around Vince and kind of says, it's just you and me, like the old times. Yep. It's like it's just you and me, bro. Just like the old days before these jerk-offs were around. My favorite bro being bro moment is, um, it's a little bit more written, but it's when they're all waiting in the office lobby. We're waiting in Chang Chun's lobby for the, the meeting with him. And there are a lot of these moments in the show where they're just waiting around and, and just shooting the shit. And it's Turtle talking about how he wants to do a hot geisha girl as a maid. Hey Vince, why don't we replace Olga with one of these hot geisha girls? Geisha girls are from Japan, jackass. So my point is, is we should have a hot cleaning lady who fucks. Well, then she'd be a hooker. Yeah, a hooker who cleans. The different levels of intelligence, but no one's really right. Like, they're just kind of arguing for the sake of arguing. And Yeah, not to go ahead, but they go, the next episode is the Sundance episode, which I watched, where... A similar moment is when uh, the girl who is their driver Cassie. says Cassie says something about uh, like how she says she's going to be in Sudan and uh, drama and turtle have a discussion about what people from Sudan are called and they both get it wrong. Like that's a very stereotypical like entourage confidence, but totally wrong. Sudanese and Sudanannies, I think are the lines. <laughs> and she's like, no, Sudanese. Yep. Jeff, what was your least favorite moment from this episode? That's a good question. I, I mean, I think there's parts of E that is just a drag in this episode. 
which happens where he is like so stressed about everything. This is where we talk about things standing the test of time. Like there's like subtle homophobia when he goes to uh, Scott Wick's house. Yep. And it's just like, it's a necessary scene, but it's also like no one's no one's gonna get excited by that scene. Yeah, um, I think Scott Wick has a has a couple funny cameos later in the season, um, and this is when he gets introduced. But it just like he, you've got Turtle intensely training for a video game tournament. You've got Ari working on James Cameron, and you've got Vincent Drama training for a kung fu commercial. <laughs> the, the E part is just. Yeah, yeah I, I gotcha. Um, Scott Witt actually appeared in the season one episode, The Script and the Sherpa, when he goes okay. and meets with Vince and E, yeah, and then they true. smoke him out in the car. Is that when the cop is behind them? Yeah, that's when the cop's behind him, and Vince kind of charms the top, and that's how he basically gets Queens Boulevard, essentially. Yeah. Because initially, Scott Witt doesn't think he's right for the role. Right. But to expand on your point about E... My least favorite moment from this episode is Vincent E's weird moment of resolution before the video game tournament starts. E like takes Vince outside and like apologizes. He's like, I fucked up. You know, I couldn't get Cameron. Like we're we're screwed. And then Vince all of a sudden is just like the truth is, I fucked up. I shouldn't have bought the house before I had the money. You know, and Ari fucked up because he shouldn't have told me we had a deal when we didn't. I mean you thought the script was great and it is. James Cameron's doing it. This kind of bothered me because literally last week he was threatening to fire everybody at Ari's office. He was like, find your way own way home, Eric. Like, this is my career. I'm fucking embarrassed. Like, it was a real 180 turn for me. And it just was another one of those moments where Vinny's like laissez-faire attitude didn't really vibe well with me. Eid was kind of cross, caught in the crossfire there. They uh, And I think it's this episode also. I don't know if it's that scene where they say something like, we're going to make $500,000, half a mil for the day's work tomorrow. I'm not getting myself down. You know, my father didn't make that in his whole life. Mine either. He owed it, though. (laughs) So forget about Aquaman. It's meant to be, then it's meant to be. Otherwise, fuck. One thing that I should go back to in college is that what something that my friends would watch is the funnier die skit that they had about Entourage. <laughs> that it was like every week on Entourage, it's the same thing. And I think this is a key moment of that. That like, all right, same story arc. Like Vince goes a little rogue and kind of takes for granted the fact that he's a movie star that came from nothing, but justifies it with like, we'll just go back to Queens and then has this moment of like friendship with E and then they move on because a criticism that, and and this is, you know, some real stuff that my friends and I talk about like that Vince is not a very deep character and he's the title character of basically the whole show, but barely anyone says that Vince is their favorite character. Sure. Yeah. And I think that's because that's what the directors and the writers and that's what Doug Ellen wanted from Adrian Grenier was just like, be a sort of flaky, hot, but not really that deep character who has power but doesn't really know how to use it type of guy. I mean, the show's called Entourage. It's about the people that surround that person. But it can be annoying because, you know, you have like a, a, a plot arc like this where Vince is just kind of like living day to, you know, hour to hour while Eric's stressed the whole time. 
And Vince is just like having sex with the kung fu trainer. Like it's just whatever. No, I com- I, I completely agree with you. And and not to not to get involved, not to get into a deep is Vince Chase a good actor conversation. But there's a lot to be said for some of his early season performances. And um, I think Eric stressing is understandably so. Like him, Turtle, and Drama's whole lives ride on the success of this one guy. Well, the the comic relief is that they keep saying that Turtle's actually trying to make money. Yeah, I love that, though. Yo, Vince, he's messing up my training. What are you doing, E? Don't mess with this head. Guy's my top earner. What was your favorite line from this episode, or what were some of your favorite lines? Uh, I think that there's there's stuff like the, you know, when Lile says to Drama after she beats him up, like, I work with Vince now. You go next door. Get dim sum. Yeah, dim sum. That's a good idea. My blood sugar is kind of low. You know, I didn't have any breakfast this morning, right? Take it easy. We'll see you later. It, it could not be a more classic, classic drama line. Yep. Uh, when Turtle... At the beginning of the episode, Turtle's playing Fight Night Online, and... You know what? Go cry to your trainer. We're done. Who are you talking to? Just some tool in Iowa who clearly can't handle my skills. Oh, Jesus. Well, you've been up all night? You know it. You gotta train. Somebody's gonna earn us some money. I love... I, I think that part's great. And also, I know I just bashed on Scott Wick, but when uh, when the kid opens the door and says... Uh, is your dad home? My dad? My dad lives in Tennessee. You must be looking for my daddy. Come in. He's at the pool. Uh, because it freaks Eric out. Oh, 100%. Interestingly enough, that actor who played that kid, he's one of my Faces in the Crowds Award, Faces in the Crowd Award for this episode. I feel like I recognize him from something. Yeah, he is the actor named Matt Dallas. He's best known as playing the title character on the ABC family series Kyle XY, which aired from 2006 to 2009. Okay. Got two lines in the episode, but turns out he helmed his own ABC family series for three years back in the day, a short short time after this episode aired. Good for him. Yeah, totally. My favorite line is just one. It's from the Ari Gold meeting with his whole team looking for a job for Vinny Chase. Oh, yeah. His female employee suggests that Vince do a TV pilot, and he does television. Lots of movie stars are doing TV now, Ari. Gary Sinise. Well, when Vince looks like Gary Sinise, he'll do television. Peter Gallagher, uh, Anthony LaPaglia. Get out. Seriously, get the fuck out. Don't even grab a bagel. I uh, I use that GIF regularly, so I should have got that. And he says, then Adam Davies brings up the something that Toby Maguire dropped out of. Yep. Toby just fell out of something. Could probably get Vince half of what they're going to give him. All right, that is what I'm talking about. You, my friend, deserve some very expensive locks. Yeah, the expensive (laughs) locks. Fuetobots has tested thousands of small batch and craft hot sauces to bring you the tastiest sauces on planet Earth. From hundreds of hot sauces, they find the best of the best and ship them right to your front door. Go to Fuetobots.com and use the code BROBIBLE10 for $10 off your first order. What's unfortunate about this episode is Entourage is such a musical show and has such an iconic soundtrack, but no song really jumped out at me as being a memorable one. There was one that played in the trailer after uh, Turtle gets his ass beat in the Fight Night Tournament. Uh, It's a Wyclef Jean song. You guys think I smoke too much pot? Turtle, relax. You lost the video game. And then he blows those massive smoke rings as he lies down. That's the only song that jumped out at me. Did anything else jump out at you? Uh, there's a, uh, you hear like the traditional Chinese tunes at various mm-hmm. points related to the, to the commercial. 
but I also, I, I should tell you that I did send Jerry a DM before this <laughs> and I asked him about what he learned about esports when taping that episode. Yeah. And the first thing he sent me back was that they don't drug test. <laughs> LOL. JK. I love it. I love it, dude. Let's talk about the esports tournament. Let's, I was trying to find my way in and let's just talk about this. So the esport tournament is around fight night round two, which is also known as fight night 2005. It's a sequel to EA's mm. Fight Night 2004, duh. And this is not the first time we see the Entourage playing EA games. Later in the season, Drama creates a character that looks just like him in the Godfather video game. And we regularly see the rest of the crew fighting it out in a multiplayer game called Burnout Revenge. There's a, I, I feel like there's some Madden also. There was some Madden, definitely. And that's the thing. Like I, There had to have been some sort of big marketing play. I mean, this is a pure advertisement for this game, this whole episode. Oh, yeah. There's definitely, that was definitely part of this. Um, they make sure to refer to it as an Xbox tournament, yep. which if Xbox wasn't p- playing, wasn't paying, they wouldn't have picked a console yeah so i'm sure xbox was in there too they play xbox a lot which you know i've played i got xbox an xbox 360 and xbox one and i've been playing xbox games basically since 06 or 07 but at the time i didn't have the original xbox so i think that a lot more console players were on gamecube and nintendo products still at the time so this was a big deal you know the fact that they reference it and like you said fight night has been around a while it was it has never been a main as mainstream a game as people would probably like but not only does it fit this it's very simplistic for a video game tournament because it's a 1v1 game and and the fact that the the turtle gets in the ring <laughs> you know when he plays the game i think that's incredible it's honestly perfect and I mean, they even show the scene where they go to what, what's what's the video game store they go to? It might be GameStop, but I can't remember. There, there. I know they're playing in the store. Turtles trying out a joystick controller, which my first thought was there has to be a regulation controller. You can't just buy this to be better. But you know that wasn't. Uh, I don't think they were thinking about that when writing the episode. No, I think they were trying to sell the damn controller. <laughs> That's a good point too. Yeah. <laughs> What did you think of this? What did, I mean, obviously it had a big impact on you, but was it was done well? You thought it was it, at its most simple, you know, version. It was it made a big impact, didn't it? Well, like I said, this was a time that video games were first becoming competitive. You had you had the Madden Nation show on ESPN that showed people on TV playing a video game against each other for monetary prizes, and so. The fact that you'd have something like this, tournaments were very localized at the time, but this was the next layer of video games. So I I think from that aspect, there was something that was very interesting and realistic about this. I think it was futuristic in the fact that, uh, you know, Turtle was so into training online, which Xbox Live was just, um, Xbox Live was just scraping the surface on the original Xbox. Um, you know, GameCube had no online capabilities. PlayStation was just experimenting. This was the first ever way to be online. So that's why Turtle's training against someone, like he says, from Iowa at the beginning. And then the fact that he's actually playing a tournament for money and there's an audience and EA, we're talking about EA as a sponsor, but there's cheerleaders and there's a staff. And as someone who knows all the people that work in the back room at the NBA 2K League, I'm watching this yesterday thinking about all of the technical capabilities that have to happen to be able to line two consoles up with people on opposite sides playing 1v1. You can't, uh, I know now we're getting really technical. You can't do that without 
an EA employee being there to manipulate the whole system. So I'm thinking about all of everything that went into it. And I think they got it really right. You know, they not just right in the moment, but where things were going to go that at the time watching this was, it was like an an esports tournament seemed like a far-fetched idea. Now it's something that people know exists almost every weekend in this country. In some ways, this episode was probably a little ahead of its time because most people in America hadn't seen one of these before. Well ahead of its time, but it fit what Turtle, you know, Turtle plays a lot of video games throughout the series and Jerry plays video games. So, you know, it's in, and I'm reading what he sent me, you know, right now he's saying that it was relatively young at the time. uh, But he said that he loves some of the things that they were able to do from a futuristic standpoint with esports gaming. And he says sneaker culture, you know, he obviously focused a lot on sneakers in a way that I think now with sneaker drops today online, people are much more into, but at the time it was very niche. First off, thank you for relaying those messages from Turtle's mouth himself through the DMs of Jeff Eisenband. While uh, he's while he's just watching his pregnant wife and waiting for him to have a child. Yeah, waiting for her to pop. I, I completely agree with you. And it's really great to get your perspective on that. And this is this is why we had you on, man. This is this is one of the biggest reasons. Well it's and people talk about that and you know, even before like I honestly want to have Jerry on a podcast or some sort of content one day to discuss a little bit more in depth about his not just in this episode, but a lot of his perspective on these sure. things like esports and sneaker culture. But for me, I mean, that was something that I guarantee there are people who don't care about video games that were like, this is a storyline that I don't care about. To me, it was an awesome sort of, you know, perspective. And I think they do a good job with the fact that he gets beat by a little kid. Yeah. Um, and they mess when I was watching it, they say, as Turtle's about to box him, someone mentions, or they, they introduce him as like the two time Southeast region champion. And he's from Florida well ahead of its time of these young teenagers are incredible gamers. And it's not like a sport like basketball, where you have to be of a certain age to succeed. Yeah. Let's move on to a category that we actually haven't had in a few weeks. And that is the Marvin award for the best new character. Now, I don't know if you had a best new character for this episode, but I did because it's a legendary character that at this point had only been referred to by name. Do you know who I'm talking about? Only been referred to by name. Yeah. So they, they actually make their de- their on-screen debut here. Correct. The only person I can think of is Adam Davies, but... It's not Davies. Davies was a pretty prominent figure in season one. It is Turtle's everyman weed dealer, Black Hack. <laughs> when Turtle is at his house and they're playing Fight Night and Black yeah. Hat is getting him some clean piss. You're kind of good at this shit, huh? Good. You're a heavyweight. I'm beating your ass with a 110-pound Filipino, bitch. Don't get cocky, motherfucker. Right. Beat your ass in real life. I got the high score in that shit. <laughs> hey, yo, Branford. Watch your little fleshy pencil, motherfucker. I want you getting a drop of piss on my imported Italian marble. <laughs> oh, you're down, baby. It's over. Don't even bother getting up. Frankly, I completely forgot that this happened. He talks about Black Hat every episode from season one, episode one, up until this point as his weed die, his iPhone die, his clothes die, his odds die. The guy who just gets him everything, and then and then there he was. And I did a little bit of research, and the actor who plays uh, Black Hat is a stand-up comedian from Chicago, Illinois. His name's DeRay Davis. He's the older brother of R&B singer Steph Jones. And he had a pretty successful career. 
He was in Barbershop, Barbershop 2. He had a reoccurring role on seasons 1 and 2 of the Fox show Empire. However, in my mind, his biggest claim to fame, and this is going to age me a little bit, (laughs) is that he is the voice of several stits on rapper Kanye West's album, The College Dropout and Late Registration. He impersonates Bernie Mac. He appears as the lead of the fictitious fraternity Broke Fi Broke. And he also appeared in Kanye West's music video for Through the Wire. That's not gonna. That's not aging me. I was into that stuff. Into you were that into stuff. that stuff, but you were nine when it came out. So I don't mean that. I just, I'm, I'm not trying to talk down to you, but as a 16 year old in the city of Chicago when College Dropout dropped, I was working at Foot Locker and wanted to be Kanye West at the time. <laughs> okay, that's fair. <laughs> so huge impact on me, and I think very, very cool uh, for such a such a brief moment for a character that we'd heard so much about up until this point. That uh, that is an astute observation. <laughs> Well, because I'll tell you, I've probably seen that episode seven times, seven to ten times, and I, it was like almost something that if we didn't talk about this today, I would have forgotten about that scene again. And if if you hadn't been watching the episode week after week like I have and talking about it in depth, Black Hack wouldn't be as much of a character or as much of That's a name. That's true. That's true. Too. It's such a yeah. it's a really weird world I'm living in here, and it's just gonna get weirder the longer this this thing goes on. Let's talk about um. I guess she'd be a Faces in the Crowd War, but let's talk about Lee Lay, Mr. Chain's technical mm. advisor and, and Vince and Johnny's like uh, kung fu teacher. What did you think of her? Did she, do you think she did a good job? I, I think that she she did a good job, you know, right off the bat, classic entourage character. Vince meets with a woman who is professional and has, you know, a professional side to her and, and won't act like she'll be seduced by him but within you could tell in the meeting she's starting to fall for him a little Mm -hmm. bit and like you know then then right after drama leaves they have that moment where she flips vince and like lands on top of him and you know they they have a a fast-paced as in seven minutes of the episode they have a romance and then she's a forgotten character yeah so you know not to say that but but she fits that like I mean, how many in in eight seasons and the movie of Entourage, how many women fit that mold? It's a yeah, lot. Dozens. She definitely leaves her she definitely leaves her mark in terms of having that professional adult aspect of sure. it. Sure. Um, because sometimes Vince will take advantage of a fan, let's sure. say. Or a, a jewelry store girl or a coat check girl or something like that. Bai Lin, the actress who played Lee Lei, known for her work in films such as The Crow. Crank High Voltage, Wild Wild West. She was in Entourage, obviously, and she also was in the sh- uh, TV show Lost. She's a bit of a weirdo. In 2009, she claimed that she was from the moon. In 2011, she was on the fifth season of the VH1 reality show Celebrity Rehab with Dr. Drew, which documented her recovery from alcohol addiction. And in 2008, she was arrested at LAX for shoplifting two magazines and a package of batteries. So... I- are you looking at how old she is, too? I'm not. I don't have that number in front of me, but how old is she? She's 52 now. Whoa. So she Which was would late have made 30s. Her about yeah, late 30s here. Uh, there's an outdated reference that Johnny Drama makes. I don't know if you caught it. Um, it's when they meet Lee Lay and they're about to start training. And Yeah, I taught him a few things. Brandon Lee and I used to train together. In fact, I had a small part in the crow. Yeah, he was the bird. <laughs> the Lee clan practically adopted me, uh, me and Brandon used to go to Mandaret twice a week. Did you know who Brandon Lee was when you rewatched Absolutely this? Absolutely not. No. Absolutely not. 
but maybe that's also part of uh, part of the drama vibe that it's like such a second tier individual. Yeah, it's literally Bruce Lee's son who was an actor and a martial artist. He landed his breakout role in the movie The Crow to critical acclaim, but he was badly injured on the set when a faulty prop gun fired and lodged in his head, and he died. So the film was completely rewritten, CGI'd stunt double, and then after it was released, it was like a critical and commercial success. Drama says that the Lee clan practically adopted me, and then me and him used to go to Mandarat twice a week, which is a Chinese restaurant in Los Angeles. Again, you're absolutely right. Like Johnny Drama just like name-dropping random-ass people in Hollywood in random-ass locations never gets old to me. And, and I don't know who is that, that reference is even aimed toward, or if it's supposed to be like he doesn't know anything. Yep. How would this episode be different in 2019? Right off the bat, I'm thinking about the esports tournament. Um, I think it would be more of a, of an online spectacle yep. that you know they could turn it into something like Turtle. Everyone could be watching. They could have, you know, I guess Dom hasn't been introduced yet, but they could have <laughs> like almost like Turtle's mom watching in New York, or you know, that's the difference I think between the video game aspect then the video game aspect now. And same thing goes for the commercial, that it could have been on YouTube, that people could have been singing it. That's one thing. And it would have been held at, like, Madison Square Garden or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I totally agree. I wrote the Turtles EA tournament would be a lot bigger. That's basically what I wrote, and I wanted to defer to you as to how much bigger, and, and yeah, you proved me right. What was your favorite Johnny drama moment from this episode? Um, well, I mean, I, I think, like I said, it's the... Uh, it's when she says, go get some dim sum, and he doesn't fight back. His reaction <laughs> is that my bl- my blood sugar is low. Like, that could not be a more classic Johnny. I, like, I also said I love the line when he puts himself around Vince, like, it's just me and you. Because there's that iconic episode when they're, when they're in, the, uh, in the apartment, yep. and it's just Johnny and Vince, and they have nothing to talk about <laughs> and basically need to smoke weed yep. to have a conversation. It's like perfect because it's like three or four years into the show and they're brothers and they still don't have that much in common, but they spend all this time together. And they're rarely filmed just the two of them in a room quietly. So yeah, no, you're right. It was a, it kind of popped the bubble as to like their, how close they are. (laughs) I have two. At the very beginning, he talks about how he's going to contribute to the house and own 10% of the house. It's 600 square feet. That's 10% of the home. Now the mortgage costs $24,000 a month. I'm going to pay $2,400 a month, and I'm going to own 10% of the house. Where are you going to get $2,400 a month, Drama? What do you think I cook for free? Which implies that he, like, cooks somewhere for money, which doesn't make any fucking sense. (laughs) He's running a soup kitchen or something like that. Like, hilarious. I I took it as he's... So that's basically, like, Vince is going to pay him money, and then he's going to pay Vince... He's going to pay Vince back... That made because... sense. That made sense. I'm watching too closely, Jeff. That's the problem. Like, I'm watching for all these side stories, and that's exactly what it is. You're complete, you completely proved me right on this one. <laughs> then when they are um, waiting in Chang Chun's office. Yeah, I remember my first national commercial. Oh, what was that, Valtrex? <laughs> yeah, it was. So fucking what? Got me my Fiat. Plus, I got a blowjob from the makeup girl. Put my sores on. That's nice. Fucking, he mentions the Fiat a couple episodes ago when he talks about owning an Italian sports car. Like, just picturing drama getting a blowjob as a woman's applying um, fake herpes sores on him is hysterical. He's the best. Uh, I'm a Marinette High School grad like myself, Kevin Dillon. Wow. It is. Uh, I, I went to the same high school as Kevin and Matt Dillon, and 
about two years ago, one of my friends from college was visiting and we went to my hometown. We went to like the local tavern wings burger place and Kevin Dillon was sitting there with a few people. That's very cool. Did you, did you fanboy out? We didn't. Um, we kind of, as he was walking up, everyone was kind of like, hey, yeah. <laughs> and he's, hey guys, you know, we didn't want to be like, could you uh, leave what you're doing and take a picture with the eight of us guys in this public place? That's a tough scene. And especially when he's at his hometown, he's not just like sitting at an airport bar. I mean, never bother a celebrity should be my advice to everybody. No, in fact, in fact, that the best time would have been if we weren't in our hometown and we could have said, hey, you know, we're from the same yep. town. Yeah, it would have been your in for been at least a nice 30 second conversation with the guy. 100 percent. Yes. All right, we're, we're at the end here. Bit of a longer episode this week. It's great, though, to get into so much detail about the, the video game side of this. I'm, I'm so glad I had you on, Jeff. Who, besides Vince, won this week's episode? Well, before I say that, um, I just want to, before I forget, Michael Buffer makes a, oh, a, a cameo. Me, I was going to say the one celebrity cameo. Episode. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I'm glad you reminded me. I stepped over it. I was, I'm jumping all over here. Ladies and gentlemen, talking about something that stood that withstood the test of time michael buffer 2006 michael buffer 2019 michael buffer 19 whatever the guy just fits it works man so that was that comes in with the ea sports poll i'm sure that he was on their payroll um and that was part of you know he he comes in as part of this dual everything yeah uh but but i'd say the who wins the episode is turtle because this whole the whole video game tournament is so unique and there are so many turtle storylines. He's just in the background. Yep. And this feels like, I know the name of the episode is Chinatown, but if it was like fight night, I think you would have, no one would have flinched. You know, then you could have had basically two, two ends of it. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that was tossed around in the writer's room. But I think that turtle just does a, you know, like we said, they keep saying, you're the moneymaker of this and stuff like that. Turtle has a little bit of a moment here. Yeah, and it's interesting because everyone takes major L's in this episode. Dramaditz is asked it. Ari can't hit the screener. E can't hit the screener. Turtle loses the tournament. And Vince, of course, wins and sleeps with the girl and does the commercial and gets paid half a million dollars. But you've made a good case for Turtle here because you're right. He kind of has his moment in the sun, and it's one of his first moments where he steps outside of his role as Vince's driver or weed guy. And we start to see that more and more as the show progresses until he becomes like a fully formed businessman and eventually tequila billionaire. <laughs> Turtle and drama have these moments where they usually happen at the end of episodes where everyone, I'm thinking like the entre- the uh, Johnny Drama YouTube episode yep. or YouTube when like when Bono calls him out or I'm even thinking in the movie when they all see Turtle get beat up by Ronda Rousey. Like there's a there's a level of they have these little moments where everyone supports them and it's a big deal. Yep, that's those are truly bros being bros moments. Like that's the best bro you can be is just supporting your friend blindly no matter what is going on, whether they're getting their asses ticked or whether they're yeah A list episode, B list episode, or D list episode. Um, I, I like this as a B list episode. Because like even when you sent it over to me, at first I, I honestly had to search. Yep. It was like in my head, I was like, I know Chinatown. And I was like, 
I was like, oh, I see the video game tournament is, of course, why, you know, I, I wouldn't have known what episode that was because it's not the title of the episode yep. without looking it up. But then the commercial is a classic sort of referenceable part, the whole training for the commercial and everything. So this is a, the type of episode that you you do remember the plot. If someone brings up, if I see a Kung Fu commercial, I'll always think of this episode. <laughs> but I wouldn't say it's the type of episode that I'm like, like when I'm referenced the Joshua Tree episode to start, like that is on the, the, the pyramid, on the Mount Rushmore of Entourage, that episode is like right up there. Same with NetSuite's episode, Sundance, Vegas. Yeah, yeah one any word. of those, any of those cornerstone, especially Sundance, anything that happened outside of, Los Angeles usually has, you know, aura or something where someone gets fired and something like that. You know, those are the big turning point episodes. This isn't a turning point episode, but it is an entertaining episode in terms of the plot. I'm going to agree with you. B, I would give it more of a B minus only because music and celebrity cameos. I mean, I guess Michael Buffer is a great celebrity cameo, but this but was definitely so plot wise kind of a clearing of the throat episode. The past two, three episodes, the boys have just been kind of floating around, trying to get Aquaman, not having any money. And then we start to get into, like, this last half of season two really ramps up. They go to Sundance, they go to Comic-Con, the Mandy Moore stuff happens, which is a little bit of a dip. And then at the very end of the show, very end of the season, no spoilers, but Vince has to decide whether or not he takes Aquaman. So yeah, I'm going to give it a B-, minus, but uh, I, I do agree with you on, on a lot of those points that, like, this is a memorable episode once you identify the name with the plot, if that makes sense. Last question. I'm asking of every guest now. In your life's entourage, who are you closest to? That's a hard question because I, I guess E a little bit, not because I'm I'm like out there being a second, a sidekick to someone, but I'm definitely a more of a nervous person. I I can relate to whenever E has with women, he always feels guilty about everything. I can relate to that. Yeah, it's called Irish Catholic guilt. I have it too. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's called Jewish guilt on yeah, my yeah. end. And it's uh, it's something, you know, like that's the easy, every every Jewish teenager when I was a teenager said they loved Ari and wanted to be Ari. But unless you're a highly powerful, you know, manipulative individual like that, you're not. He's, I, I relate to a lot of his true colors in terms of he wants to do the right thing. He has some decision-making issues. He is always guilty about things. But he uh, and he doesn't, you know, even like I'm a journalist, I'm not an actor or an entertainer because I could never put that face yeah. on. But I could do, you know, I can communicate and I can report, but I can't necessarily like I, I there's a there's an aspect of maybe I'm a little more boring than I wish that I was. <laughs> Well, it takes a it takes someone who's securing themselves to admit that, and and I and I see a lot of myself in those same qualities of E as well. So I get it. I'm a little neurotic. I'm a little bit of a control freak. Like he has to be in the world of Entourage. You need someone who's a rock, and that's E. But let me tell you, Johnny Drama is my favorite character by leaps and bounds. Oh, yeah, one hundred percent. But I just I I can't say that I'm as dumb as him. <laughs> Well, Jeff, thank you for coming on. This was an absolute blast. And I'm not just saying that. I thank you for doing the research, taking the time, and uh, really talking about this as a true fan. I, I can tell how much you like the show just through this conversation, and, and we really hope to have you back soon. 
Well, listen, it, it's uh, the last thing I'll say about this is I love Entourage. Probably the show that my friends and I can all relate to and watch together and be on the same page with the most. You you don't want to lead with that. Like, it's not like I wouldn't want to go on a date and be <laughs> say, say, you know, what are some of your interests? And I'd be like, Entourage. Yep. Like that, because there's an inherent way that certain people react to it. But it is something that I think as this as time goes on, it will relate. You said you're 31, I'll be 26. Like within this 10 year generation, I think it'll be something that everyone relates to and cherishes and and it withholds for a long time. Let's hope so. And let's hope that people keep listening to this podcast. Every Monday morning, we're breaking down a new episode. So keep tuning in, guys. Jeff, where can the good listeners of Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah follow you and find you? At Jeff Eisenman on every social, J-E-F-F-E-I-S. E-N-B-A-N-D. And of course, watch the NBA 2K League. And if you follow our social channels, Jerry shows up all the time. Perfect. We'd love to have Jerry on soon. Maybe we can get the three of us in a room together in New York City someday soon. I think that'd be a lot of fun. We might need to wait for him to have that child. I think I think we will. Jeff, thanks for joining and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Bye.